This podcast is brought to you by YearToSuccess.com, a free online course on success. Enroll at YearToSuccess.com. Welcome to the Toastmasters Podcast, the official podcast of Toastmasters International. Hello, everybody. This is Greg Gazin, and welcome to the Toastmasters Podcast. It's around this time of the year we start thinking of the Toastmasters International Convention. The next one is coming up on August 22nd to 25th, 2018 in Chicago, Illinois. So appropriately, our next few podcasts will be related to the International Convention. So please sit back and enjoy interviews with our special guests. Our guest this morning is Pat Johnson. She is a past international president, 2010-2011, and in fact, I was a district governor, 2010-2011, yeah. so you were my president. Yes, Then again, I was. all the presidents are my president, <laughs> but you were my president. She's from Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, not that far from Vancouver, and she is the conference chair for the 86th annual Toastmasters International Convention that's being held. We're right now on the beautiful waterfront of Vancouver, British Columbia. Yeah. Pat, welcome. Thanks for taking the time because I know how busy you are. Oh, thanks, Greg. I'm pleased to be here. It's a great time to just lock ourselves away and turn <laughs> off the phone and have a break. <laughs> How's it going so far? It's actually going fabulously. People say to me occasionally, oh, you're not stressed. And I say, I think it's too late to be stressed. We're halfway through the convention. And I think what makes a great convention is the attendees and their attitudes, and also the environment we're in. First of all, we're in an absolutely gorgeous convention center here Agreed. on the waterfront. And if anybody gets stressed, they just need to go to the far north side of the building, gaze out, look at the mountains and the water, and relax, deep, <laughs> breathe deeply. We have an amazing team of volunteers, over 220 uh, well, we had 210 helping hands, as well as many, many volunteers that just walk up and say, how can I help you? So they carry the load, and I'm here to walk around and shake hands and smile and have fun. <laughs> now, you're the, you're the first international president or past international president to take on the role of the chair. Now, I'm thinking, okay, you worked your way up all the way to president. Of course, there's a lot of steps in between from district and direct international director and vice presidents, et cetera. And of course, you're after being immediate past president, and then even as a past president, there are a number of roles and a number of duties and a number of things they have to do. What made you decide to take on the role of a conference chair? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure I consciously decided, Greg. Uh, perhaps you know that when I was finished as past president, I was asked to be the manager of the Learning Masters. So I did that for about three and a half years as we designed Pathways. And so I had 250 volunteers worldwide that we worked on the curriculum and how the course would be designed and had a fabulous experience working with World Headquarters uh, from that. And I just sat down one day and took a deep breath and went, wow. Pathways is now in the hands of the people that are going to put the recognition together and and my hands are off of it and and I was excited to see what we had been able to do as learning masters with the program and felt quite a sense of satisfaction and my phone rang and <laughs> as as my son says you shouldn't necessarily always answer the phone when it rings 
you should decide when you want to talk. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, I picked up the phone, and it's, hi, Pat, Dan Rex here. <laughs> and hi, Dan. <laughs> I've got a few of those phone calls. And I went, hi, Dan, how are you doing? And he said, that's something I want to talk to you about. <laughs> I hadn't decided then that always the answer going forward will be, no, Dan. Yes, Dan, what would you like? <laughs> So I said, yes, Dan, what would you like? And he said, we would like you to be the convention chair for Vancouver. And I said, I need to think about it for a little while because it was never on my radar, never entered my mind, wasn't in my wish list of things to do, didn't know if I even had the capability of doing it because I'm not a detailed person, I'm a vision person and I thought about it for about a week and I finally said, yes, I would do it. And him and Sally have a great ability to sell something to me, particularly. <laughs> so I bought and it's been, it's been fabulous. I have to say, I, they work with my needs because I'm a person that needs to talk things through. And so I worked with Trisha and Kelly. They were my contact people at World Headquarters. They're amazing, and we basically set up bi-weekly calls. And so from then, I had bi-weekly calls to talk about what it would be like, all the things that I was going to be responsible for, what that would look like, decisions I had to make. And, you know, most of them are done before we get here. So, yeah, that's how it ended up. So, of course, Dan Rex is our chief executive officer, <laughs> and... Sally Newell Cohen is our chief operating officer. That's Just correct. For those people who may not be familiar with those names. That's, yes. In case their phone rings. And if they show up on your call display, decide if you want to talk to somebody. <laughs> so after Dan asked you the question, how long was that pause? <laughs> Somewhat vague right now, but I think I took a week or two to think about it. It was soul searching for me because Pathways had been a big project and I'd come off of president in 11 and I was immediate past for Michael Notaro when he was president so that was 11-12 and then went right into pathways and and the working with the learning masters so and here we are yes just that's why I was coming. asking the question it's just like okay <laughs> the balloon is still up in the air don't let the helium come down just, yeah. just keep it up but you know what I love it I joined Toastmasters in 1983 and I joined because I didn't have the capacity to walk into a room where there were people. I was so shy, had no confidence, no self-esteem, believed I was stupid, believed I was ugly, had been told never to laugh because it sounded awful, and um, I had a lot of work to do. <laughs> so I was the least likely person to do any of this in my books. I think your laugh is sort of infectious almost. <laughs> <laughs> well, I use it lots now anyway, I've made up. <laughs> now, here's the tough question. Which was the biggest challenge, being a conference chair or international president? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like comparing, do you want wheat toast or do you want cheesecake for breakfast? It, they're that different. They're, they're very, very, very different. Uh, this is short term. You work with a small group and then you bring, bring, bring a great big team together of volunteers who show up with their attitude and their energy. 
as the convention chair. The president is such a gradual movement because you're international director, first all through the district offices, up through international uh, director, and then deciding to run for executive office. Going through those chairs, you're five years in the executive committee, so you get such a broad perspective of the organization and so deep. Like one of the things we did when I was international president was rewrite all the policies, protocols, and bylaws of Toastmasters. I remember. <laughs> yes. So huge knowledge of the organization. And I feel like as convention chair, you scratch the surface. You know, we got to know the facility a bit. You get to know the volunteers as they show up. But, so this is a short-lived president is long-lived you know you leave a legacy behind you as president and your heart and soul gets into both of them of course or at least mine does the one commonality i would say that really stands out for me is my canadian pride i'm going to try not to cry when i talk about this but when i was international president and i traveled the world i would arrive in countries and they would say do you have a banner and I pulled out my full-size Canadian flag and I said, this is my banner. When I got to carry the Canadian flag in the opening ceremonies, um, it was like a, a dream of any Canadian to be able to do that. Corporal Nielsen in the RCMP was standing on stage and saluted the flag. I thought I was going to lose it right in front of everybody and to sing the national anthem in front of all of our friends and fellow Toastmasters. That's the commonality that I see is that huge pride and having the world to Vancouver is, yeah. So president is much more challenging, much more far reaching. And I think you have the potential to tick off a lot more people, but I think you're a bit more detached at some level than you are convention chair because I walk in the halls and I sit in the rooms with the people and watch what goes on and you get a lot of direct feedback, although you do as president. It's also. compressed. It's com <laughs> yeah, it's compressed <laughs> into a week. <laughs> yeah. Pat, do you remember your first convention? Yes, I do. Yes, it was 1989 and it was in Chicago. <laughs> Which is where it's going to be next year. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I went, I was, uh, I joined 83. So I was six years a Toastmaster. I had wanted to go every year to an international convention, never got there. Lived, I trained horses and, and ran a breeding operation, just never could get away. When I had moved to the city and I was able to go, I went to the international convention in Chicago. And conventions those days were very, very different than they are now, which is a good thing. And I never slept. I went the whole week and we just went from room to room visiting people. Then we went to education. I remember meeting Helen Blanchard. I met Wayne Dyer. He was the Golden Gavel recipient that year. And I literally, I remember meeting Eddie Dunn. He was an international president. He was my president when I joined Toastmasters in wow. 1983. I met Eddie Dunn and his wife, Beverly. and. And it was just an amazing uh, week 
have no sleep, and all these people that I thought were, of course, I knew Jack Gillespie from District 64. I knew Terry Daly from District 64, which is where I was originally from when I came to my first convention. So I knew a number of directors. Yeah, it, it was amazing week. <laughs> you said it was different, of course, back then when it happened in convention, state at convention, but now with the Toastmasters app, Yes. <laughs> anything you do is around the world even before you finish saying it. That's right. And you know, it, it's a good thing that what happened in convention those days stayed at convention because <laughs> that was the days when uh, candidates that were running for the board or the executive committee hosted hospitality rooms. And we really had like pep rallies and people would spend thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in their campaigns. And that's not necessary nowadays. When I ran for the board, I didn't have money to spend. And I probably spent, I would say, less than $3,000 on my campaign. And when I ran for ID, or when I ran for third vice president, I might have spent $2,000. Oh, okay. Not lots. Now, you already told me a little bit about your team, and it sounds like since you're sitting here having a coffee talking to me, <laughs> that they're doing an awesome job. They are. <laughs> now, Toastmasters, tagline, where leaders are made. Just for the people who are listening to this from the leadership perspective, what are maybe one or two of the leadership skills that you had to use in your role as conference chair? Persuasiveness. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. Because then I wanted to use the skill of delegation. <laughs> I am a strategic thinker, and I've run departments in corporations, and I am always know that my staff represents the organization and me, uh, whether you're on the campaign floor or you're having a, a convention. And I handpicked my 14 team leads. There's 15 of us all together. And I had heard that there were about twice that in some of the other conventions, and I said, there's no way that I want that number of people reporting to me. So I said 14 would be the max that I would want, as long as I could cover all the events. And then I started calling, and I called specific people. I looked at people's skills and what they've done and how they deliver and how they handle people and how they lead teams in their work and how they solve problems, all very strong leadership skills. People that were proven leaders, whether it was in their corporate world, they could be a brand new Toastmaster. I think, I believe I had five out of the 14 that were first timers at any conference or convention, had never been at a Toastmaster, but are very strong. Like I have, I have a team lead who works for BC uh, Games that works in Commonwealth Games and, and the Olympics for, you know, on and on. So those type of things. People that are international business leaders, RCMP officers, you know, really proven people, but also people that have great followings. People love them, like to be around them, have infectious personalities, that people want to work with them and, and will sign up and enjoy being with them. So that's what was really important to me in picking, handpicking those 14 people. And I, I just want to say, Greg, I had 13 and I thought we were settled. And we had a team meeting and we were all discussing and World Headquarters said, we think you need one more team lead. And I said, I, I, I know who that is. I know, I've seen her, I've seen how she works, and I want to find her. So I phoned Jean Vickers, who is what, one of the team leads, and I said, Jean, you have to get me hooked up to Linda. And so he was able to 
get me to Linda's contact and she said yes, fortunately. So that's how I got my last uh, team lead. Maybe it was 13, I didn't like 13 was an unlucky number. <laughs> well, I was gonna make up 14. <laughs> I was going to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's, it's been phenomenal. <laughs> then again, I guess some of the people, some of them brought skills to the table and the ones that maybe didn't have all maybe those same, that same level of skills, obviously they'll be able to pick up a number of those skills. You obviously have extensive experience in leadership. Is there something new that you learned during this process or something that you learned about yourself? I'm not sure if I learned something new about myself so far. Um, I will say that I'm in school full-time and I'm an ontological coach, which is about our whole beingness. And so I coach people to be the best version of themselves that they can be. And through that, being a, a professional coach, we also have our own professional coaches. And so mine has been to be very um, enrolling, to enroll people in who I am. Uh, because when you, sometimes I think that as a leader, I can get, I can bring the power how do I enroll people in, into me and, and who I am and my personality? And, and so through that, I've really been able to allow myself to have a lot more fun. And I, I think some people that were out on the walk the other morning saw the funny part of me. And there, there's a part of me that loves being the goof. So um, I, you probably heard about the moose hat that showed up because I promised moose uh, <laughs> at this convention. So and mounties. Well, I could get a mountie, but the moose was really hard to pan up. So I had a moose hat and I wore that and I ran around the convention center with my moose hat on, and it was actually a lot of fun. So I experienced a bit of that when I was president too. Is I found that I could really have a lot of fun, and people are really people respond to it, which I was always afraid to do. And, and, and people actually like when you're goofy because, well, I, uh, my perception is that they like when I'm goofy because I think it gives us all permission <laughs> to be children and have fun. Well, yeah. It shows that you're real. It, it breaks the ice. <laughs> I didn't see the moose hat, but yesterday when we arranged to have this little chat today, <laughs> you were wearing bunny ears. Oh, yes. <laughs> And you had to pose with that goofy look. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, just, I just loved it. Now I'm worried about asking you for asking the next question, which was about advice, but I will ask you anyway. <laughs> I'm finding this, this conversation quite inspirational. And what leadership advice would you give a Toastmaster who perhaps one day would like to take the plunge and chair a convention or perhaps even become the international president? Wow, that is a very heavy, big question because I have um, several pieces of advice, if I may. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, first of all, never decide in isolation that you're going to do that. Uh, you have to do a lot of soul searching, I believe, to, to take on or decide to commit into a, a long range plan of leadership in Toastmasters because I was 15 years in leadership to become the president. That's a lot. And, and I had a child during that, you know, during that, that I was raising and education, a lot of things. So you're balancing lots of things and you just have to put your family first. And then you've, I had a career as well. So definitely look at the balance of your life and, and your team at home has to support you in, in that process. The other thing is to not make the decision without consulting people that have done it. 
I never even entertained running for executive committee. I was encouraged to run for the board by people that had been on the board and people that were going on the board. And I agreed to put my name forward as an option. And I didn't run against anybody. I put myself forward as an option on the ballot. I also think that consulting with people that have done the job and if people that have done the role are supporting you, then it's a good indication that that would be something to consider. I hear people quite often say, oh, I've decided I'm going to run. And I say, who have you talked to? And they'll say, well, I've just decided. And I think that often we don't see what we're capable of or what our limitations are. And some people are willing to hold up the mirror and help us see that if we're willing to listen and ask. So there were a number of mentors in my life. When I served on the board, I had some of those come to me and say, please consider going on to the executive committee. It wasn't on my radar. And so then I went home and I held up the mirror and I went, wow, am I capable of doing this? And then I had huge numbers of hours of discussion with people that had been there, had done it, and why and what they saw, right? Why they thought I might be able to do that and, and what they saw in me. And I had to believe it. So there's lots and lots of personal development and personal belief, not ego. It's not about ego. It's about how can I be a, a steward of this organization? Am I willing to fight for this organization and this organization's values? And those people that are out there that, if they're listening and they say it's glory, it's far from glory. It, it's one of the toughest jobs I've ever had. I've been accused of very nasty things when I was international president publicly, on public forum, accused of things that my heart could never go there with. And it's hurtful, but you recognize also that you represent the organization and you rise above it and you deal with it and have to take action to protect the organization. There's many things to look at. You can't have a thin skin. You can't take things personally. I think you have to have a huge love for the organization and the people in it. Just give it real serious thought because it's life-changing. I came to the end of my presidency and, and I, it was one of the saddest days. It was so sad because I loved every day of it, absolutely every day of it. And somebody said to me, so what are you going to do as president? And I said, oh, I'll probably do a CC and a CL. And they looked at me because I think they thought I was going to do something for the organization. And I said, well, <laughs> the organization's going to be what the members do. <laughs> you know, I'm going to call the business meetings and we're going to have those and I'll lead those. But me as a Toastmaster, I'm going to go to my club whenever I'm in town. I'm going to do my CC and my CL for that year and encourage people to be engaged in the program. So I, and I wanted to be remembered as somebody who cared about the members in Toastmasters and that I had a genuine love for it and advice, yeah. To really talk and do soul searching and, and know that you're giving up a lot of time, having that team behind you, having people that have done it, that encourage you and know that it's going to change your life. The other thing I did 
which was a very wise thing, is I never believed Toastmasters gave me everything I needed to become uh, a senior leader in Toastmasters. I was always involved in continuous education in my own career and my own life. And when I became international president, I went out and hired my own personal coach because I had to write articles. I had to write speeches. I had to present. I was on the road. I was also maintaining my full-time career at, ho at home and paying mortgage and all that. That still happens. Life still <laughs> happens. Yes. And you don't get moved to headquarters and looked after. Yeah, it was, it was an amazing process. And having my own personal coach where I had a safe place because you need a safe place to go and to help you. Well, obviously Toastmasters gives you lots of tools, but what, Absolutely. depending on what you want to accomplish. As you were speaking, I'm, I was thinking back to earlier in the conversation when you were talking about being a young lady in 1983, just starting and just looking at how things have changed. And again, you were my president when I was district governor. <laughs> and I'm looking at you now and I'm saying, wow, what an incredible transformation. So. I think there's a lots of leadership learning lessons from our yeah. little conversation. I just want to personally thank you for your leadership and of course thank you for spending the time here today and taking on this incredible task of chairing the 86th annual Toastmasters International Convention in Vancouver and we're still not done yet. Two more days <laughs> but who's counting? Greg, it was a pleasure meeting with you this morning and talking to your listeners. And thank you for asking about my experiences. I always say when districts invite me to visit them that I'm always thrilled to be remembered and, and so honored to be asked. Yeah. So I'm honored to be here this morning and thank you for all your questions. And it was a lot of fun. I hope you had fun. <laughs> it was absolutely a blast. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Pat. Thank you. Hi, this is Bo Bennett, host of the Toastmasters podcast. Back in 2004, I wrote the book Year to Success, the most complete and practical book on success ever written. Thanks to today's technology, I've turned the book into an online course. Here's the best part. The course is 100% free. Enroll at yeartosuccess.com and work on one personal development idea each day for the next eight months or so. That address is yeartosuccess.com. See you there.